I haven't put my uh, recording on, so I haven't really said a whole lot, so I guess that's not a big deal. But Colossians lesson 13 for the people on the tape. Um, and so we're kind of got done with the review. So let's, let's go back to Colossians. We're going to get into what I wanted to talk about today anyway. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. There I go again, wait, putting too much out there. Talking too much, Cammie. Uh, how men do it. Uh, probably said way too more, much more than I needed to already. So, so Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 7. And again, we're at the end of the, end of the chapter, the end of the book. Verse 7 says, All my states shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. So basically what we're seeing here is the end of Paul's letter and now he's just kind of wrapping things up to, to the church at Colossae. And he says, number one, Tychicus, I shall, uh, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Okay, so that's basically wrapping up the end of the book. He's just kind of giving out his final uh, farewell to this group. There's, he had never met this church in whole, but he had met some of their people. Okay, and so he's right, he has written this letter to the church and he's getting ready to send it back to them. And so he's just, like I said, he's wrapping things up and it's a short, simple uh, book, four chapters long, short letter. And he says, also read this letter to the church of Colossae at the church at Laodicea. And since we live in the Laodicean time period, this letter is very important to us. We can take it hook, line, and sinker. It is for us today. And that's why it's so important we know the book of Colossians as well as all the rest of Paul's New Testament church uh, epistles. So let's go back and look at this. It takes number one, and I want you to get this here. It takes a team of committed Christians, a network, to do a work of God. When we study Paul and we study his missionary trips, he doesn't do it alone. He's not the Lone Ranger. He always has a group of people around him. And that's very important. 
And so there's been a few statements that I've made that are just huge. This one is huge. It takes a team of committed Christians or a network of them to do a work of God. When you get out there and you try to do it on your own, you're only going to go so far. But like anything else, you get a team of people that are working for the same cause, you can accomplish a lot of things. Okay, And that is why the local church is so important. Because that is the tool that the, that God uses to get His mission accomplished. Okay, Parachurch organizations are good, but they're not biblical. The biblical pattern is Paul and the church, or actually the church at Antioch, and they send Paul out to start new churches to get the gospel out. That is the pattern that we need to be following. Okay, and so A it says the team must have the you have a blank in there. It must have the right message. If you don't have the right message, it's not biblical. Why are you there? And I will tell you, there are a lot of churches across the country and the world that are out there and they're thinking they're doing good. But they are not following what God wants them to because they're not being biblical. They don't have the right message. They don't have the gospel. If you don't preach the gospel, why are you there? And of course, let's look, what is the gospel? Okay, you're asking good questions. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And I know, again, most of you guys, you know, have uh, have been around for a while, and you pretty well know most of the stuff I'm going through. But again, it's just always good to go through it. The gospel is laid out and defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4, and it says this: Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So, what do you think he's declaring? The gospel, okay? Which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which you also are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried... And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay? That is the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. That's how we get saved. By accepting Christ, by accepting that Christ paid for our sins. And the gospel, good news, is that statement. Okay? So, the team must have the right message. It is the gospel. Okay? So, turn over to, uh, See, our notes say 1 Corinthians one seventeen. So, back up a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. And it says here, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to what? Preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Well, you got to have words, but they got to be God's words, okay? But so a lot of people take big effort on baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. It's a result of that uh, of the fact that you've accepted the gospel. So he goes, my main goal is not to baptize people; it's to what preach the gospel. Okay, we know that. Okay, so the team must have the right message. B, the team back on your handout. The team must have the right training. The right training. Okay? Why do you need the right training? So everybody's in the right, the right, uh, state, 
and and working towards the right goal. So again, second, let's go back to Second Timothy. And again, passages we already know. Back past Colossians, past Thessalonians. I get mine t- together here. Again, this is a discipleship verse. We should all know this. See where I'm at. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says some scripture. Is that what your Bible says? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine. First two chapters in in the letter to the Colossians are doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. And that perfect there doesn't mean sinless. It means complete. That the man of God may be complete, truly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible is given for our doctrine, for our teaching, for reproof. Shows us when we go wrong for correction, how to fix that when we go wrong and to get us back to instruction and I think I talked about that at the beginning of the book. It's kind of a circle in our life, kind of a circle process, because we're all going to go, all going to mess up. But, but what do we do? We go right back to the Word of God here. And I think these verses tell us why it is so important to get the Bible published and out to places, because the people don't have the Bible. How are they going to know what the Scripture says? Right. How are they going to grow? That's true. That is true. Remember when the missionary was here, um, um, Derek Thomas, the little short guy. That's kind of funny because this dude's like six foot five or something. He's a huge guy, and he when he was t- teaching in La- I think it was how do you pronounce it, Laos, Laos, and he goes to the guys and they're going through an interpreter, and the guys that are there don't have a Bible in their language. So what are they using? What are they doing with it? I mean, they need a Bible in their language. And so they're picking up bits and pieces or maybe going through a translator. But then what do they do when they go back home? All they can teach them is what they've known because they don't have it unless they can learn English or another language and then take that back. But yeah, if you don't have it in your language, you're you're kind of hurting. What's that? Or if you're not English-based and you're trying to learn English and you're a Laos or a Korean or something like that, that is so hard because you don't know the culture and the nuances behind the language. Right. And so the only thing that really helps is most of the world is learning English right now. The younger people coming up is a plus, but the older people, they're hurting. So we need a Bible. So you got to have the right message. you got to have the right training, and that training is Bible-based. Okay? And that's why, you know, here, Wednesday nights is a really good place to start. Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. And then uh, discipleship is is major. Um, and then D1, D2, HBI. I mean, we, we've got the training here. It's here, guys. So uh, take, make use of it. Okay? So it, you must have, the, the team must have the right training. Uh, C says the team must have the same goal. What is the goal for the church? To big to build a bigger building? Well, it kind of is ours, but that's not the main goal. To bring in a lot of money? No. To have a paid park? We do have a paid park. I'm thinking of things. To have a bigger armory? To 
You know, a lot of people, we left, Carrie and I left a church that they thought the church should just be a, like a university compound. In fact, they started calling it the compound. And I'm like, guys, it's not about the buildings. It's about the people, okay? Our, our team must have the same goal, and that goal is to reconcile lost man to God. That's our goal. That's the goal of this church here. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians. I know we've been in uh, bouncing around just a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's look at verses 17 and 18. It says, Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We've already talked about that in Colossians. Okay, it's called the new, the new man or the new use, what I was using. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Okay, that's good right there, but keep going. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry is to reconcile other people to Christ. So that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we send people out, because we want people to come to Christ to know that they have a home in heaven, their sins are paid for, and that God has a, a place for them. So the team, uh, the team must have the same goal, to reconcile lost men to God. And D, the team must be led by Christ through His Word. Word goes in your blank, which is the Bible. And through the, what do you think the next one is? Two words. Uh, Holy Spirit. Local church could fit there, but we got to have the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so I gave you Colossians 1, 9, and 10 on there. We've went through that several times, so I won't... That's there for your reference. So the team must be led by Christ through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. Okay, nothing new. And E, the team must be in constant prayer. So I've kind of basically given you just the top five reasons of uh, of a or things that a team needs to have to do a work. If you notice, I didn't say for God; I said of God. If God is going to use you, these are things you need along with other things, okay? But you need to be in uh, constant prayer with everything. That's why we pray for people. We need to be prayer all the time. And uh, you can pray anywhere you want. You can pray uh, alone. You can pray together. You can pray, you know, out loud. You can pray in the car. Pray without your eyes closed or, or closed. I, rem- I may have said this. I remember, uh, uh, I think it was Steve Fleshman and Pat Lee are in the car and, and the three of us are going to an event and we're praying for the event. And in the middle of it, I'm telling Pat where to go, which, where to turn. Pat's driving and all of a sudden Steve's in the back, he starts laughing. And we're like, after, after we're all praying, he starts laughing and we're like, what? What's, what? What's going on, Steve? He goes, well, in the middle of our prayer, you're like telling him to turn right, turn left, and he's driving down the road. And I'm like, you think God cares? We were praying. It doesn't make any difference where you pray. He can pray in the shower. You know, he can pray wherever you want. We need to be constantly praying. So that's my point here, okay? I have a question. 
why is it that so many churches, including ours, the prayer service, the prayer time is the least attended? What is it that are people afraid of prayer? I don't understand. I really have never known. I mean, all the churches I've ever been a member of are like that. And I just wonder, I mean, we're not doing what God tells us to do in his word. And I know that our power comes from our prayer from our being in constant talking with him and having him tell us what to do and everything and that's where our power is and so I wonder if Satan has tried to scare people with prayer you know that away from prayer because he knows that when we start praying there's things are going to happen because Jesus wants us to I, I you're right you know we we need to be more corporate church type prayer uh, that's probably a fault that we have and you're right it's a fault a lot of churches have probably 99.9 but we do need to focus more on that and uh, no you're totally right yes Roger I have a suggestion or possible answer to some of that I think that it gets overwhelming because you take this is just our classroom yeah and if you you know they hand you something in the main sanctuary and it's got it's an umbrella blanket over everything that's going on it's probably true. It does get overwhelmed. That's one reason why when we do pray in here, I will pray and I'll open it up to you guys because I don't, I'm not going to hit everyone and, uh, because it does take a lot of time, but yet they're there and I want everybody to be praying about it at different times. And if there's something on your heart that you want to pray on today, that's what we do. But we do need to put more emphasis on prayer. Okay? And as far as what he was saying, our Sunday night service here, you know, we break the prayer list. Yes. Up and each group will get a small portion of that so that they can be praying for. So somebody's praying for everything. But then we also have our own personal prayers that we have the time to do together to be in prayer. But I mean, I just, it is such a, to me it's such a sad thing that all over the world very few prayer groups are, prayer right. meetings, church prayer meetings are well right. We do need to focus more on that. So I can't say more than that. So these are what I call the, the big five here. It's kind of like, anybody been on an African safari? Don't they have a big five? You know, the, the lion, buffalo. I got a weird, I got a weird brain that thinks of things. So these are the big five for your church team. Okay. Uh, number two. So it takes a team of committed people. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's why you'll find out in our church that we support missionaries and we have teams that go to support missionaries and we work with other churches. And yet, basically everything that I just said here about this team needs to be individually also. But yet, God's going to get more accomplished if we do it as a team. We need to be doing it individually but and as a team. So, uh, number two, Paul's team at the moment was the ones we just read here in Colossians. It was the people that was around him. And so let's just look at a few of them in the time we have left. The first guy's name is Tychicus. And it says, now I, I love looking at some of this. Now some people may look at this and go, this is kind of boring. Why do we want to read at the end of it? What does he say about these people? Because this is what I'd like Christ to say about me. It's a judgment seat of Christ. Now I don't know about you. You know, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But let's look at what Paul says about some of these guys. Uh, verse 7 back in Colossians 4 says, All my state shall Tychicus I de- declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister, 
a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Wow, he's got three things there. He talks about him. And so this guy, Tychicus, he's a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. I will be thrilled to death when I stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ and he put all three of them on me. And hopefully you guys would be too. Uh, But he says a lot about him. This guy, Tychicus, is mentioned five times in the Bible. And he was being sent with this letter to the church at Colossae. Because remember, where's Paul at? He's in Rome, but he's in jail. And so he's sending it back to Colossae, back to uh, uh, the middle part or central part of Turkey, and uh, modern-day Turkey. And he's sending the letter with Tychicus. So do you think he trusts him? Yeah. And so... uh, Tychicus' job here, he was being sent to the church at Colossae, and we have a few things here. Number one was to bring the letter. The letter goes in your blank. He entrusted the letter with Tychicus to go back. So he was entrusted to bring the letter of instruction, and then also so that the church of Colossae would know Paul's state. Now, I can just imagine if we had one of our... If, if, if I got an email in a minute that said, hey, the whole team in the Dominican Republic just got thrown into jail. Pastor Brian and the two ladies are in jail because they were preaching the gospel on the street. Would I, would you guys be a little upset? Yeah, he's in jail. I don't like it if our... I don't think that's ever happened yet, but I would not like it if our pastor's in jail. It would bother me. And this church also knows that Paul's in jail. And they know that he's only in there because he preached the gospel. And so they're a little probably high strung on this. And they're like, man, I wonder how he's doing. Because they couldn't just get on the phone and call him. They're only, they're only communications people going back and forth, of which Tychicus is. And so they, they, uh, he's sending the letter to them so they'll know how he's doing in jail and how the ministry's going. So the church at Colossae would know Paul's state. The third bullet point, so that he would know their state, Tychicus himself. Because Paul's on the other side of this and his team's on it, and he has people from Colossae and people on his team that love these people, and they don't know what's going on there either. So it's kind of a two-way street here. So, Tychicus also wanted to know their state, and then the last bullet point was so he could give them some comfort. Comfort goes in your blank. Okay? And so, that word comfort's kind of important to me. It's one of my word, pet words in the Bible I like. Romans chapter 15 and 4 says, the things written aforetime were written for our learning that we through, uh, Comfort of the Scriptures. I may have butchered that verse. That we through comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so the Word of God brings us comfort, but yet knowing people's estate also gives us comfort. And so uh, there are several issues and several things why the book's written. And Tychicus is the man that's going back to find out and to bring the letter. Okay? Let me read you a little bit more about Tychicus. So Tychicus assisted Paul in the taking of the offering for the poor to Jerusalem and was with him during his imprisonment. We learned that after several years of loyalty to Paul, he was sent to Crete to be the interim pastor there while Titus went to see Paul. Later, with full confidence of this servant, Paul sent him to Ephesus 
so that Timothy could come and visit him in prison. So this guy Tychicus is getting around. Okay? The Ephesian church was probably third in importance to all the churches uh, in, in, the, in the time period, Antioch and Jerusalem and the church of Ephesus. The Ephesian church was next and it was a tremendous task for Paul to put, to put Tychicus in charge of it while Timothy could come and visit him in prison. And so having entrusted this beloved brother with taking the epistles of the Ephesians, so not only did he take the Colossian letter, he also took the Ephesian letter uh, to the church. Paul also placed in his care this runaway slave Onesimus. So I'll talk about him in just a minute. But uh, he's in Tychicus's care. I'm, I'm, okay? And so... Uh, now, Onesimus, well, in just a minute, I'm thinking, get ahead of me. Let me read what I have, though. <laughs> Onesimus, who had been converted to Christ and was now taking the epistle back to Philemon, his master, Tychicus never attained prominence. He just served. Whatever had to be done, he did it. And what a, a great example to illustrate that a ministry will never be fully accomplished unless there are people like him. Okay, so we're in a part of the Bible team, right? And we assemble Bibles and we're sending them around the world. And you know what? We put on the box some labels, you know, Heartland Baptist Fellowship, Word First Bible Publishing. Our names aren't on there. They don't know who sent them to them. They don't know that you guys were involved in touching them. But you know what? Christ knows. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that nobody knows. And, you know, that, and we should be part of those people. And so this guy Tychicus, even though he was trusted with all that, most people don't think of Tychicus as a, as a prominent person in the Bible, do they? I mean, other than reading him in a few places, nobody knows who Tychicus is. And so what I, what I mean is, sometimes it's good to be a nobody. <laughs> if you're a nobody for Christ, because even though the world doesn't recognize you, Christ will. Okay? We could do that, couldn't we? No, no. I'm not going to do that because I know how it happened. Uh, I'm just happy I'm a part of that, okay? And so hopefully you are too. So this guy Tychicus, he's a, he's a nobody, but he's a nobody for God, okay? And he was well-beloved by Paul, okay? And some B, Onesimus. Now, who's this dude, Onesimus? Well, he is a fa- he's called a faithful and beloved brother. Now, Onesimus was a runaway slave that went to Rome and Paul, he found Paul or Paul found him and he accepts Christ as his savior and he becomes profitable for Paul. But yet Paul knows that he's a runaway slave. And here's the, here's the wild part. He knows his master. He's already met his master, Paul has. And he's like, you know what? I've got to send you back. You're his property. Even though, even though you've come to Christ as your Savior, I've got to send you back because, but yet I'm going to write a letter that tell him that who you are now and how he needs to treat you and how he needs to accept you. And that letter is the, is the book of Philemon. The man's name is Philemon. But Onesimus, is in the middle of Colossians here, in, in the middle of the book Philemon coming up. And uh, if you want to read more about that, read read the book of Philemon. This is only one chapter. And then you have this guy named Aristarchus. And it says that he is P- Paul's fellow prisoner. Now, this guy Aristarchus is mentioned in the book of Acts 
in the book of Colossians, Colossians and in the book of Philemon. He was with Paul in Ephesus and caught in the riot. Remember when uh, there was a big riot in the in the town of Ephesus, uh, Ephesus where they brought the whole Colosseum was filled up and uh, he's one of the two guys that they grabbed and brought him in in front of everybody. How can you imagine that? Hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, being dragged in the middle of Royal Stadium and the stadium being folded and being accused of being a troublemaker and, and uh, you know, it would be like, it would be like uh, a couple of us are with Brian and we're, we're preaching and he's preaching somewhere and, but he somehow gets out, doesn't get the cut. And doesn't get caught, but the other two people with him get dragged in. This is one of the guys that got dragged in. This guy here, Aristarchus. Uh, okay. And so, uh, what do you think he felt like when they drug him in the Colosseum? <laughs> he goes, why me? <laughs> but, uh, he was with Paul on his trip to Rome. And get this, he probably indentured himself as a prisoner to go with Paul. So he was one of Paul's companions in his ministry. And when Paul was, was sent back to Rome as a prisoner, but he, he, he indentured himself as a prisoner just so he could go along with Paul and be his companion. Now, what do you think about that as a friend? That's a friend, man. That's somebody that sticks closer than a brother. Um, this guy here, Aristarchus. Okay. And so let's keep going. Page number two. And I'll try to hurry through this. Marcus. Now, who do you think the guy Marcus is? Okay. This is the Mark who wrote the Gospel. And they were instructed that if he comes to Colossae, hey, bring him in and let him preach. Kind of like Doug Pearson today. Brian's not here. And so, Doug is preaching today. Now, you don't see the other pastors go over and go, hey, what are you doing here, Doug? Just just because Brian's not here, what what do you think you're doing? You know, you need to hit the road. No, <laughs> we wouldn't do that, right? Thank you that you're here. Yeah, and and Doug's probably got a chip on his shoulder anyway because I bumped him a couple weeks ago. But <laughs> but I mean, he's telling them, hey, this guy's a good guy. You know, receive him. And so we all know that kind of the story. And then he, Jesus called justice. He's a Jewish Christian, a fellow worker, and a comfort to Paul. Now, out of this whole group, I don't know how many Jewish guys are in this group besides Paul. I think almost all the rest of them, if not every one, is Gentile. But this guy's a Jewish guy. So what does that tell you about him? He was sold out for Christ too, wasn't he? He didn't have this attitude that the Gentiles were dogs. He sold out to Christ and he's going wherever he wants, even if he had to go to the Gentiles. Okay. And then you got this guy named Epaphras, F here. Uh, Epaphras, his name means devoted. And he is a Colossian. Because we saw him back in chapter 1 verse 7. So Colossians 1 7 says, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So this guy, um, Epaphras, was from Colossae. In fact, he probably started the church. And we believe, the only connection we believe, that he was probably at Ephesus, 
heard Paul preach and teach the Bible for three years and took what he learned there, went back to Colossae, went back to Laodicea, went back to Hierapolis and started churches there. And now he's in Rome with Paul. Okay? And so he's called a servant of Christ by Paul. Now, most of you think, okay, so what's the big deal that he's called a servant of Christ? Paul only mentions one other person with that title. Go back and check it out. And that other person is, is, is the man Timothy. That title of a servant of Christ is not thrown out to anybody else except for Timothy and this man. Okay? So apparently I think Paul had some respect for this man. Um, Epaphras was also a fellow prisoner with Paul at Rome. Epaphras was in constant prayer for the church at Colossae. Why? Because he knew them. And he had a great zeal for the church at Colossae and at Laodicea and at Hierapolis. Okay? So this man named Epaphras. I mean, I like this guy too. Again, these guys are just nobodies, basically, but they're on Paul's team serving Christ. That should be us. Okay? Okay, G, Luke. Luke is the... Beloved physician. That's what it says here uh, back in Colossians 4. Okay? Um, let me see where we're at here. Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician. Now, can you imagine going on a mission trip for thousands of miles and being out there and having a doctor on your team? Now, would that not be neat? Joe Hendricksman's in Mexico, and what is his wife? She's a nurse. Doug Bethany's here. To, Doug is here today, and Bethany, his wife, is a nurse. How valuable are those two wives? Not just as a wife, but also as a nurse for them in their ministry. It is major, and Paul's always getting beat up, right, and thrown and stoned and all this stuff. Uh, he better have somebody that can patch him up. And so, uh, uh, he's called the beloved physician, and I'm, I'm sure he had more than just, more traits than just being a, a physician. He went with Paul. All these guys were sold out for the gospel. It takes a team. Okay? And then you got this guy named Demas. And he says basically, and Demas, look in your Bible there in verse, uh, what did I say that verse was? 14. What's it say about Demas? Any characteristics of him? Doesn't say a characteristic at all, does it? You have to do a little more digging. But he basically says, hey, Demas says hi to. Nothing good is said about Demas. He is mentioned in Philemon in verse 24. And in 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas has left the team and went back to the old man. Back to the world. And so Paul doesn't really say a whole lot about him. Because I don't, it doesn't seem like the guy's faithful, but he, he's there, but maybe, maybe he's just there wanting to be somebody, but yet he didn't get the accommodations that the rest of them got. And I think that's why Paul doesn't say much about him, but he was there. And then he went back and left Paul later on. So Paul probably had an inkling of who he was. Number three, and we'll wrap things up. Paul's ending words. His salutation, his expression of respect and embracement. And I got it in parentheses. That's basically just a hug in words. Because Paul would love to have just hugged these people. 
He couldn't do that, so he sends a letter and he sends it with this, this ending. He says, say hi to the church at Laodicea and Memphis whose house they met in. A lot of the churches then were meeting in people's homes. Apparently, uh, the church at Laodicea, they met, they met in Memphis's home. Uh, B says, read both letters to each church. To Archippus, the pastor at Colossae, take, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou, your blank is fulfilled, goes in there. That thou fulfill it. So apparently, uh, Epaphras probably had been the pastor but had left it in the hands of this man named Archippus. He was pastor in the church, a lot like Brian Clark. Brian Clark went to London to start a church. He trained up people in the church. He trained up a pastor that took over that church. And now Brian Clark is home. And he's getting ready. And he's taken about a year off. And you probably first heard about it from me. He's taking some time off to regroup. And he's going to go back to uh, England again. Start another church. And so I think he's kind of decoupled himself from that church so they would go ahead and continue on with what they're doing. And so that pastor needs to fulfill the job that God has given him. And so that's what he's telling this man. Uh, same thing we did with uh, New Life down in Clinton. Uh, Brad's the pastor there. He needs to fulfill the job that God has given him. That's the same thing he's telling Archippus. And then he says, remember my bonds because he's in jail. Remember where I'm at, guys. And he says, grace be to you. Amen. So he kind of tells about the people in his team, which is an example of what we need to be. We need to be faithful. We need to be all about serving Christ. We need to be all about going the extra mile. So next week, I'll kind of do an overview of the book and we'll go from there. Hopefully, you guys are learning some things from it. And uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll get out of here. So, uh, Father in Heaven, we do thank You for Your Bible. We thank You that it tells us all things. It tells us uh, past, present, and, and future. It tells us uh, how we can know You as Lord and Savior through the Gospel that Christ died for our sins and He was buried and He rose again. And Lord, we, we thank You for that and the fact that when we accept that, that we are born again into Your family, Lord. And Lord, we, we, we just praise You for that. We praise You for the promises You've given us. We praise You for the church that we have, the Bible that we have. And I pray as a group, as, as a church group, as a, as a, uh, adult Bible hour group, Lord, that we would be all about serving You and working in a team effort to get the gospel out to get the Word of God out, to to see people around the world come to know You as Lord and Savior. So I pray uh, that would continue. I pray for the Bibles that we're doing, the John and Romans that we're doing, that we would see fruit as a result of that. And Lord, I pray You give us a good uh, message from Doug and a good rest of the day. And we ask all this, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. When will be on the ninth? Do you?